everybody get ready for Foodie and the Beast with David Nikki Nellis. A foodie born and bred, my wife Nikki loves chatting up chefs, dining out, and insider industry buzz. And my husband David thinks a great meal is nothing but a good burger, a frosty brew, and a check for under $20. Because he is cheap. Well, maybe so, but foodie married beast anyway. And together we've got the food and wine variety show that has everyone talking. It's Foodie and the Beast, and we are on now. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis on this beautiful day here in D.C. We have a great show. We have a show that will wake you up for <laughs> sure. Um, but you you got a couple well, of I just want to remind say. everybody before we kick off the show this morning, there's so much going on in and around the D.C. metro area. Restaurant Week kicks off this week. And if you had not made your reservations yet, I would get on that now because every like almost every single restaurant in the city, like all the real big ones that you've been dying to get into, they all participate. And this is an excellent opportunity for you to get in. Try the restaurant. The menu prices are much less than they normally are. So you're going to have a different experience, but a couple do's and don'ts. Always remember to be kind. Always remember to be tip. Always remember to do your homework and look at the menus online just so you are an educated consumer. Um, and stay tuned on the list are you want because we always list all the restaurants in town that are doing extended restaurant weeks because you bet a lot of them are. And don't forget to follow me at NYCCINELLIS. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube, all the things, uh, because I keep you posted on everything. Okay. I'm it. ready to go. Hit it. All right. So Roasting Plant Coffee is out to revolutionize coffee culture here mm. in D.C. and beyond. They have a roastery and a retail spot down at 1211 Connecticut Avenue near the Mayflower. And um, the uh, founder and chief uh, uh, executive of the company, Mike Caswell, has invented something called the Java Bot. And I wanted you to call it Java the Bot, but okay. of course, Can you introduce all the people who are going to be on the, the show, please? And he's in with Genevieve, and we're going to call her Jen Kapler, who is the Roasting Plants specialty coffee expert. I guess you're a coffee master some, mm -hmm. uh, but we're going to hear all about it because it's a, it's the amazing part is they brew a great cup of coffee in one minute. Mm. All right. Newly minted cookbook author Barker Cardoza is with us. She's uh, going to be chatting about her debut cookbook with love and masalas. Every Indian recipe, everyday Indian recipes from my kitchen to yours. The book is great. It's a family fair. It's based on her life and loving food in the kitchen with her kids but and her family. But most important, it comes with gorgeous oh, yeah. Beautiful. masala mixtures, and I can't wait to talk to her all about how she put them together. If the masalas are as good as the packaging, it'll be all be delicious. Okay. All right, so if you've been thinking about a change from your usual way of dining out, you're about to get a chance because Mood Swings Food Hall is about to open in Northwest in the former glassy space. Uh, it's based on the premise that folks who want something different from their usual, uh, you get mm. to come in and, and vote on next month's cuisine that will be served there, which is very cool. So if you want Seoul one month, Italian or Chinese or whatever, you go to the website and you vote for it. Owner Taj Sohal is here, and you're going to hear more about it soon. And if the name John Zaller doesn't ring a bell, what he does absolutely will. He's the executive producer of Exhibition Hub, uh, a curator and distributor of, of immersive exhibitions, and they are world-renowned. Like, you've probably seen it. The one that we've seen was Van, Van Gogh's Go, Starry Night. No, Van Gogh's The Immersive Experience. Yeah, but it's The Immersive Experience. I'm speaking yeah. English. I know, Van but Gogh's, I'm just telling you what Van it's called. Van Gogh's Starry Night is an immersive experience that we saw at a museum here. It's unbelievable. It takes you all the way into the picture to where Van Gogh sat. Mm -hmm. Crazy. Very so cool. he'll be joining us shortly. Mm -hmm. so let's start with Mike and Jen. Let's have some coffee. Yeah, let, well, we've got some coffee. Let's perk up the show. Dun, 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 dun. So, I wish we could pop a 
Let's like talk a little it. bit about Roasting Plant. Let's do a little intro, please. Great. So I'm Mike Caswell. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, I am the founder of Roasting Plant Coffee. Uh-huh. I currently focus on innovation because mm-hmm. our concept is built on some proprietary uh, groundbreaking technology that we use in coffee. Uh, my background is in engineering and business process reengineering. You're being shy. You were with Starbucks, and, and I you was... invented this Java <laughs> bot with a vacuum cleaner, right? Yes. Well, but <laughs> where did, did was your love in business first, and then you developed the palate for coffee? Were you always a coffee lover? Like where where's the passion for coffee? I have always loved coffee. Uh, while I was in college, I had the pleasure of working in Boston for one of the seminal specialty coffee uh, shops in the country called The Coffee Connection, Mm -hmm. which was an incredible education for my coffee knowledge and my palate. Mm. Uh, Jen and I are very often tasting coffees, and she's asking me what I'm tasting and do I like it, and I'm always referencing back to those early days of what I learned at The Coffee Connection. So what did you learn? I learned that there is a world of coffee that is not really presented to most consumers. Why? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's hard to do. It's logistically difficult. It's expensive. It's hard to get it to consumers while it's still Are you fresh. talking about the, the kinds of beans or technology that delivers good coffee? Um, both. I think... Are you talking about Americans and their impatience? All of the above. Mm-hmm. Hurry up, I think Mike. All those Hurry things up. apply. <laughs> coffee is absolutely at its best when it's fresh. That is very difficult. The roasted beans. Roasted beans, mm. yeah. And that's very difficult for large coffee companies to do. Mm-hmm. So they don't. They buy big bags. Buy big bags. They roast it in mm. remote roasting plants. They package it. They try to preserve it as best they can. So when they preserve it, game. I don't want to go down a rabbit hole, but I never really thought about this. So when when they preserve it, is it preservatives? Like, are we are we doing gross things to the coffee? I'm going to let Jen. Okay, She's Jen. Hi, Jen. Expert. Jen's like Hi, our psalm today. Hi, Jen. How are you? Good. So, no, no, no. It's no preservative. Usually they use, if they know, if those companies know that they will sell this coffee in six months, one year from now, whatnot, they mm-hmm. will use nitrogen in the bag. So, mm. usually uh, it's uh, chain production, everything automated. And but they will uh, put nitrogen to to seal the bag and put a valve to uh, allow excess oh, right. gas to come out. Okay. So all right. So Jen, why don't you tell us what we're drinking first, and then when we get back, we'll talk yeah, about we'll how you do you all your sourcing, times. and then right. we have to get into like your background and everything. And if her accent sounds fabulous, you should see her because she is fabulous too. Oh, okay. thank you. Well, uh, right now uh-huh. uh, we start uh, with uh, brewing the we, we just brewed uh, the mm. roasting plant blend. Mm. So this is uh, our our symbol in the company. So our what you need to know first is that all the beans that come in that blend are sourced uh, directly from the farm. We work with producers worldwide, and uh, this is uh, this blend is what our definition of coffee is. Mm-hmm. So you're gonna taste chocolate. You're gonna taste caramel. Mm. You're gonna taste truffle and a little bit spicy. We want the length. We want this coffee to linger. We want it to blend with milk. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we're gonna taste it. We'll come back to you. And I later on, I want to hear where you guys stand on sweeteners, whether it's sugar, or artificial stuff, and cream, and all of that, because. There are purists who say no, no, no. Well, honestly, I mean, I'm not a coffee drinker. I know we have to move on. I'm not a huge coffee drinker. I enjoy the flavor and taste of coffee. But this, as it had time to warm up, like cool off, I guess, the flavor has totally changed. It's really been delicious. Okay, sorry. Let's go. All right. Well, first time cookbook author, a first time 
cookbook author who's hit the ball over the fence, I guess mm-hmm. I should say, is Barker Cardoz. She's in with, with us to talk about her new book, With Love and Masalas, Everyday Indian Recipes from My Kitchen to Yours. Hi, welcome to the show. Hi. Hey, guys. Thank you for having me. I'm really, really excited. Oh, thank you. We're excited. We're more excited. So let's start from the start. Give us a little bit of your background and how all of this came to be. Mm -hmm. Um, I grew up in Bombay, Mm -hmm. um, went to cooking school, have loved food, and then I married... Lloyd Cardoz, mm-hmm. and um, also a chef. So took a a great chef, great mm-hmm. human being. Mm-hmm. But then I took the back seat because you know we wanted to raise kids, we want to have a family. So I went on to do other stuff, um, always doing like the sideline stuff of helping him out with the restaurant and doing you know the back end stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, he and I, we'd always joke. I'd always say, I don't know what I want to do when I grow up, mm-hmm. like. I have no idea. I got idea the same problem, by the way. Right. <laughs> maybe so we just never. Right. Maybe we just never grow up. Maybe we're just constantly evolving. No, you grew up. Yeah. Why not? Right. <laughs> right? I agree. Yeah. So I did a lot of other stuff, and then in 2019 we started working on doing spice blends. Uh, we had started the process with burlap and barrel, and uh, we were supposed to finalize and release some blends in 2020 and uh, March of 2020 Floyd passed away oh. from COVID oh, I'm and so sorry. it was just like you know the whole my world turned upside down sure. and I sat still but I think all along it was like are we going to go back to it are we going to do anything with it and luckily for me um, the co-founders of Burlap and Barrel Ethan Fish and Ori Zohar said Yes, you want to do it, we're going to do it, whatever you decide. So we went back to the drawing board, changed up the plans of what blends we were going to release. Mm-hmm. And we walked, worked on the first three blends, got those out in October of 2020. But can we talk a little um, bit this... about the blends? Because I think it's well, really important for people to understand. Yeah, I, I was. we talked about it. I think 10% of the audience would be able to tell you what a masala is. I think it's a little bit more. No. Nope. Yeah. But um, well, can we masala talk about is... what a masala is and then how you created, because you have, we have six right here, no. how you six. created them. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So masala is basically a spice blend. It's a spice mix that you will find any Indian household you go to has their brand of what they like to use when they cook most of their food. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, depending on what region you're in in India or what even in the regions, there's like every house has their own. They're like more pepper. They look like more of like the cinnamon. Depending on what they're doing, they put a, bl- a house blend together. And that's called, that's a masala. It's basically mm-hmm. a mix of spices that are ground and you use that. So when we were looking at it, our mindset was people think that curry is just this yellow powder that right. you use. That's not actually Indian. Huh. It's it's you know it's what the Britishers decided was going to be those a colonists. I tell I you, mean, they screwed the up worst. so much from Ireland to Mumbai. <laughs> they're they the worst. They are. So um, you know, we wanted to break that mindset of people to say like, and it's not just um, you know that one note of heat 
there's, you know, every blend has its own flavor profile. And so when we got down to finally doing the first three, the first three that we released were with the mindset of, I wanted to give everybody like an everyday masala that they could use to do, whether they were doing meat proteins or they were doing vegetables. And that's the Kashmiri blend. It's mm-hmm. got fennel, it's got chilies in it. It's It's got heat but it's got a little bit of sweetness to it. So it rounds off really well and works really well with anything you cook. Barca, wait, we have to take a quick break, but when we come back, I really want to talk about, like, for the uninitiated who don't, who maybe love Indian cuisine or... But but don't know what they're eating. But no, are intimidated to to use the different masalas and even to incorporate it in any food, right? Because it can go into any dish. We'll be right Absolutely. back. This is David and Nikki Nellis. We are getting a spice education. We'll be back in just With a, a spice, sec. guys. <laughs> you know, Nick, back in the day when I worked for Hex, the Hex Warehouse is over on uh, New York Avenue, and we hated being sent over there to do stuff because there was nowhere to eat for lunch. It was a wasteland. Well, not anymore. So the Ivy City area has exploded. And, you know, the very first restaurant over there was the Tavern at Ivy City Smokehouse. Now, this is a great neighborhood restaurant, but it's also a destination restaurant. First of all, they smoke all their seafood, and that is incredible. But it also is a huge kitchen that does amazing dishes, fresh seafood, great burgers, the whole deal. But the space is what you really need to check out. An amazing outdoor patio where you want to sit and have cocktails. They do live music there all the time and other live shows. And there is a great event space. So if you're looking for a place to hold a wedding or have a party, you definitely want to check out the Tavern at Ivy City Smokehouse. Well, it's uh, about 20 years too late, but now I have a good reason to go over to Ivy City and the Tavern at Ivy City Smokehouse. All right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David Nikki Nellis talking with the chef and cookbook author Barca Cardoza about her new book with love and masalas, everyday Indian recipes from my kitchen to yours. Uh, Nikki has a big question to ask, but I've got to ask because these are, you know, all of your masalas are, are mixes of lots of different ingredients, lots of different, you know, from here and there. Um, did you start from scratch? Or were there recipes in the family? Or how did this happen? Because there's a lot of stuff in here. Right, like the you, green tikka, the goan, the You'd have to be in the kitchen the like, a, like a mad chemist all the time right. just to figure out one of them. We did. We did have, we cooked them. We cooked with it every day at home, like different flavors. Mm-hmm. And so we had the groundwork of what we did. But then you add in the spices that Burlap and Barrel gets in those spices are so different from what you get at an Indian store or any spice market because they're not as fresh. Mm-hmm. So I think we had to take steps back to actually kind of work with that to put the right flavor profile together that match the cooking that we've done at home because mm. the intensity of the flavors and the freshness of the, the spices gives you that space to say like oh my god i can't go as intense with this when you're making the blend so that was i think our biggest um challenge when we were making them sure i mean Um, i I think that makes a lot of sense like as i was my for me like i looked at the green tikka masala right and what was in it and i was like this is really appealing to me and you have this great cookbook with wonderful recipes it gives lots of recommendations but i think for the uh, for the For the intimidated cook, how do you recommend, like, let's talk about your book and the recipes you have in there, but how they can just sort of 
have a piece of fish in the house or have a, a piece of chicken or or a bunch of beans and how they can incorporate these spices. How to give it sex appeal. Right. How to incorporate these into like even a soup, right? Just a little bit gives it a little umami that people aren't expecting. So how can you walk us through that a little bit? So the first thing I would say to anybody that wants to use the Indian spice blends mm -hmm. is don't be fearful. Don't mm. block yourself to say that the only way I can use these is if I'm cooking Indian food. Um, you know, we do simple things like you're making scrambled eggs, mm. put a little bit of the garam masala on it. So it gives you that little bit of a kick to it. Mm -hmm. You want to do beans, you're doing beans, you're cooking a pot of beans. When you're sauteing your onions and you're doing your um, aromatics, add a little bit of this so that you are literally blooming the spices in that base. And then you cook, add your tomatoes to whatever you're doing. So you can literally do an avocado toast and you can put some of the chaat masala on it to give it tartness to it. Mm, so that's that. what I would say is go with how you feel. Mm -hmm taste them even though they're you know they're not cooked spices take a little bit of that powder put it on your palate see what you know in a couple of minutes what the back end of the flavor profile feels mm. and then use them on anything you're doing you're doing guacamole you can add the chaat masala you're doing your baking you can put my garam masala in it because it's got a sweet profile to it so there's so many things you can do like you talked about the green tikka mm -hmm. take that piece of fish marinate it with that put it with oil put some salt in it add a little bit of tang to it marinate that piece of fish and grill it i think I, we want to come eat at your house know, this before so we let I you am go gonna put, wait no, i am no. gonna put the garam masala in my next like batch of cookies like now i cannot wait yes. to do that that's such a good idea and, and, and i'm going to take a shower with it no I, <laughs> the, 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 we should talk about the, some we of don't the, we have a minute we have a minute the ingredients in it because there are health ingredients here too there's, All the turmeric in the in the goan masala. Yeah. There's turmeric, for example. I I take turmeric pills every morning. They're great, and, uh, and ginger and all that. So I mean, th this is also very healthy for you too. It Absolutely, fights inflammation. Absolutely, it's great. Okay, you're like a doctor, chef. Tell us where we can find the book and the products and how everybody can get get access. Uh, buying any of this, you go to cardoslegacy.com. Mm -hmm. We, you can shop off there. Um, you know, we have a lot of recipes on there and we are also on Instagram at, uh, Cardo's Legacy. Great. Thank so you. So everything is out there. Excellent. Thank you for your time this morning. It's so nice to have nice you. Nice to meet you. Thank Bye. You. Bye. Thank you. Okay. Thank All right. We're going to go back to Mike and Jen. I got a question just well, to start. What? Do you, do you have a question? I, All right. Just go ahead. Well, I, I want to talk about the Java bot because, you know, the only way to make a cup of coffee in one minute back in the day was to put, you know, Sanka in a cup and pour hot water on it and then force that crap down your throat. Mm -hmm. So how do you, because this is delicious, how, how does it work? You got to tell us. So we use Java bot or Java the bot. Java the bot. I'd like I, to call it. Uh, is our proprietary technology that we use in all of our stores. Mm -hmm. So it allows us, unlike any other coffee company, to roast in every store. Right. Um, Why? Why is that? Because freshness is the key. No, no, no. Why are you able to roast in every store? Because it doesn't take up that much space? Because we were able to develop automated roasting technology that mm -hmm. has a small footprint. Okay. That is connected to our bean inventory, and to our brewers, mm -hmm. which is what allows us to roast multiple beans to very specific 
gross profiles that Jen develops and curates and mm-hmm. monitors. And then those roasted beans are connected to super automated brewing technology. Mm. So when you come into any of our stores, you can choose any of the single origin varietals mm-hmm. or blends that Jen has designed. Well, uh, uh, can I bring Jen in on that note? Sure. So Jen, let's talk about how, I mean, the next time we bring you in, we'll get a little bit of your history and how you like became this coffee expert because it's not like every little girl like sits there in a room and being like, one day. Not in France, anyways. One day. Uh, I'm coffee. Gonna... <laughs> no, 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 no. David. Um, <laughs> so tell us how you come up with the coffee profiles, like what it is about the beans, how you right. decide you're going to roast them, all that. Right. Well, the same and in cooking, mm-hmm. uh, you base on the nature of the bean, based on where it's grown, how high it is grown. Mm-hmm. This has an impact on the density. Right. Depending on how it's dried at the farm, it will impact also its moisture mm. and all of these elements, plus the natural terroir that is uh, that is grown on the, the hand of the people that uh, produce that coffee. All this has an impact on the potential flavor it can uh, it can bring out. And uh, basically, my job is to understand the raw nature and to turn, uh, to turn it into the, that end uh, cup of coffee by playing with a roaster. So our roaster uh, uh, in, uh, well, in roasting plant is extremely precise and allows me to do tailor-made, extremely precise work in order to uh, roast this coffee precisely to each, uh, to each origin as its own uh, so, profile. So, well, wait, 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 because we have to go to Taj. So tell me... Um, Tell me what we're drinking now. So right now mm-hmm. we have a very mild and sweet coffee, uh, as sweet as the story. It's mm-hmm. a woman-owned uh, farm from Brazil. Mm-hmm. So we actually roasted that coffee uh, less than 24 hours ago. Okay. And that's what happened actually to every customer that comes in roasting plant. Mm-hmm. They know that all the coffee they're going to find there is going to be roasted Mm. within really maximum three days. And so this is the story of, uh, of, uh, of that woman in, uh, in uh, Carmo de Mata. Um, mm-hmm. The fazenda is a fazenda via Boa. It's carbon neutral. She was the first to achieve carbon neutrality mm-hmm. and in the coffee world That's in general. Major. And uh, she's a, it's an amazing story. So, And um, the cup that you're having here, you're going to find a typical flavor from Brazil, from high-quality Brazil. We're going to have peanut brittle. We're going to have honey-roasted peanut. We're going to have Tahitian vanilla kind of a uh, right. flavor beautiful. profile. Right. It's, I, it's, it's delicious. I'm going to be just, pinging off the walls. Yeah. Hey, let's go. I know. And let's do an hour show in a half hour. What do you say? We're literally on, doing go. a high tea later on today. All I'm right. going to be zigging. All right. I'm going to stop all you caffeinated <laughs> okay. people. We're going to start talking to Taj Sohal. Hi, Taj. Hello, hello. So excited um, to have you in. Of a couple of places. Thank you for having me. Of, <clears throat> formerly of Glassy. She was the youngest restaurateur in the city when she founded Glassy. Uh, she's not much older than that now. She's 26, and she is transforming the Glassy space into, into Mood Swings Food Hall. Yes, I am. And it's going to be cool. It's so, a cool idea. what was it about you opening up your own restaurant initially? Like, when you, I mean, when was Glassy open? How, so that was um, It opened in ago? phase one of uh, COVID. So I, right, that's the, what I thought. The country shut down um, March You're like, I'm going to open up a restaurant. And then I opened <laughs> April 21st. Excellent. Yeah, Love yeah. it. So many have, people have that story. It's yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. Um, so, but you still open. But what, what were you trying to do there 
And then how has it evolved? Because I think it's all one story, right? Yeah. Um, I, whenever anybody asks, they're like, oh, like, what was it? Like, for the most part, I'm like, pure madness. Um, <laughs> but also, it kind of started from just, like, being raised in the U.S. by, like, um, Indian immigrants. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's, like, a story that, like, millions of people have that's um, – that I always feel like it's, like, food is kind of, like, a special, like, language that, like, people can relate on. And – I've noticed that it's like, you know, Indian Americans are taking almost every industry in this country by storm, mm-hmm. but it's not always shown in the food scene. Um, and it's usually run by, you know, people like of like my parents' generation. with Barca. Barca, yeah. Oh, I yeah. No, like I was, there's like, I feel like there's a little I don't know if you guys working. noticed when you guys were talking about the masalas, I'm literally like breaking my neck looking at them. I'm like, they We've look so good. We've <laughs> made so many mercantile marriages. I know, show, really. But, we should uh, be getting a cut. But, yeah. That's right. Anyway, okay. (laughs) I know, I took that out of your mouth. Um, Okay, so you started with Glassy. Yeah. You were executed. Yeah. But at what point, because I think it takes a really uh, in touch restaurateur to be like, okay, this was working. Or wasn't or whatever. And but I know it's time to do something different. Yeah. Because a lot of people get very stuck in where they are and are like, no, this is what I want to do. And But this wasn't about Smarts. This was about being frustrated with your mother, wasn't it? Yeah, I was telling oh, okay. David earlier. Um, I was like, yeah, uh, this uh, mood swings food hall all stemmed. It's not even like an argument or a disagreement, but like a full blown fight. The me and my mom have been having for three years now, and I feel like we can quite literally solve any problem in the entire world mm-hmm. except for this one fight, which is what do you want to do for dinner? She can never figure out what it is that she wants to eat, and then I'm the polar opposite, where I can tell you in like exact detail what I want to eat, how I want it, at, like, mm-hmm. what temperature, like, at what time, like, down to, like, the metrics. Right. And then my mom is the exact opposite where she's like, I'm hungry and I have no idea what I want to eat. And we would just go back and forth. But also that she'll okay, look Okay, I got to tell you, that's so annoying. I would kill my mother. And like, no, I mean, I love her. That's, like, no, literally my partner in crime. But it's also that she, she'll look at stuff and she won't want to eat it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's up to me to figure out what it night. is. Um, and it's nice because, you know, she's, like, my partner in crime. We started Glossy together. She was the head chef there. So naturally we um, spend at least, like, 90 hours a week together. And, you know, we're eating basically every meal together. And that is... The only it's kind of like that being in utero, but out. on the outside. It, quite literally, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I, have, I haven't left the womb yet. <laughs> okay, we're going to take a quick break. Yeah. When we come back, let's talk about what this food hall is going to look like and how everybody can participate. Yeah. This is David and Nikki Nellis. It's Foodie and the Beast. We'll be back in just a sec. All right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis talking to Taj Sohal, the soon-to-be a mood, uh, mood Swings food hall. It's opening. When will you open? Um, well, the same answer I've been giving everyone. If it was out to me, we'd be open tomorrow. Um, we have just uh, a couple last. Are you waiting permitting for permitting? Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's, that's fun. Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> come on, so, mayor, yeah. give her a permit. For no, exactly. I'm like, look, if you guys know anyone that can pull some strings for me, that's well. Be great. Let's remind everybody where the space is because we haven't said that. Yeah, so we're located on the corner of um, First Street and Florida Avenue in the Bloomingdale Trucks and Circle neighborhood. It's a great area. Yeah. I actually Greater. do know somebody who can help you, but remind me after okay, the show. Um, so let's talk about how you're evolving. Glassy shut down in November. Yes. And so now you're transforming it into this food hall. So yes. when you say food hall, are there multiple stalls? Like let's let's walk people through it and walk people through your vision and what they're going to get 
So what it's going to be, again, like I had said, it had stemmed from um, just the back and forth that me and my mom would have. And then I see, you know, like content on social media about, oh, my girlfriend can never figure out what she wants for dinner and those sort of things. And I'm like, in this case, my girlfriend's my mom. Mm -hmm. right? And then I kind of just started asking people and I was like, look, like when you're hungry, what's your like, what's the next issue? And for most people, it was, oh, I can't figure out what I want to eat. So what we're going to be doing is it's a food hall in that it's a rotating menu and it's a monthly menu. Mm -hmm. So every month, um, the public gets to vote on what sort of cuisine that they would like for us to bring and then the menu drops on the first and that's going to be a new um main menu as well as a cocktail menu and an event schedule and so who's executing said like what if everybody's like i really want szechuan and that like everybody votes for szechuan so are you going to bring in szechuan to a certain degree, I think if I can make this one happen, I would love categories. to. It just says I think Chinese. that, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, if you know, I think the way that we're able to kind of have a grasp on it is that when you are voting, it is uh, multiple choice, and mm-hmm. those are you know answers that we're allotting. But we do have an option where like you can you know write in sure. different cuisine, and if that is an overwhelming response, then you know but we're going to do our best to make it happen. Will your mom be executing it? Who's going to be executing these? the menu so i do currently have uh like uh, i guess an array of different chefs right that like specialize in like two or three different cuisines so we're gonna be bringing them in as well as i my mom is very excited to get back in the kitchen when we have our indian month and mm-hmm. you know do a whole new revamped indian menu so it's really gonna be I, I appreciate why you're calling it a food hall but it's really like a revolving pop-up space yeah so every month it's a different cuisine yeah and you'll be bringing in different chefs yeah many are of who like a lot of chefs who don't have don't have their brick and mortar yet, mm-hmm. they're looking for ways to make a little cash, yep. but also do some R and D on the dishes that they want to execute. Right. Mm-hmm. So this is an incredible opportunity. So what does that do to you in terms of uh, really sourcing? Because in other words, if you do Chinese this month and Italian next month, mm-hmm. obviously you have stuff you can save for the next time they vote for Chinese. Yeah. But you have to go out now and. I assume work with a distributor to bring in. Yeah, so that's what I've done is that I actually have um, three different food distributors that um, basically are able to give me any sort of ethnic um, ingredients that I would need that are specific to one cuisine. And then, you know, let's say I would think like things like rice, right, and like, you know, certain seasonings and those sort of things, like that's a constant pretty much like every month. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we're just able to, you know, the way I'm basically making it work is it's kind of framed like the way like magazines will shoot, you know, their September issue in October. Right. right? So we're kind of working backwards in that way. I get that. Yeah. So, okay, what's the first cuisine? Are we allowed to know? So, so far, what the public has voted on is soul food. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Are you, we, are you allowed to share with us some of the chefs you're working with? Um, so, currently, I am working with um, Chef Victor. I forgot what his last name is. Okay, I won't mm-hmm. tell him you said that. <laughs> Go yeah. ahead. Um, chef Victor um, and Chef Lulu. Mm-hmm. They are literally my right and left hand. Love we'll call them. Call them Victor okay. the Button. Lulu yeah. The button. Yeah. Okay. And then, most importantly, my mom. Um, uh-huh. She is still going to be overseeing... Um, like most menu of the, design, menu design, like cocktail design, like all of that. So because, your mom's in charge of cocktails too. Um, yeah, I have. I feel like, like a, you should have brought your mom in. Yeah, no, that's I really what I'm want saying. to meet I, her. No, I was just talking to David about that. I was like, I need to bring her in. Like, Absolutely. I think um, for me, um, what I always say about like the difference between my mom and I is that I've always framed it where like she's kind of like the talent and I'm like the manager. Mm-hmm. Um, food is genuinely like 
I think it like wakes her up in the morning type of thing, right? Like she, I've never seen anything like it where someone can like if she's happy, she wants to cook. She's sad, she wants to cook, mm-hmm. right? And like I'm like me, that, except it's I, except I do all I, the except cooking. Except I want to eat. Yeah, and literally, yeah. and that's me though. I'm like, look, like I only cook if I absolutely need to, <laughs> but I will taste and eat everything. I got a question for you. Okay, so I, I vote minute. for Italian. Yeah. Do you sit down? And no kidding. Stizita, per favore. Anyways, um, uh, do you sit down? Do you say, okay, we're gonna have like every new menu is going to have ten entrees and four appetizers. And then you plug in the number. The, yeah, is it going to be a tasting menu? It's it's a, it's a smaller menu. It's probably not going to be ten entrees. Uh-huh. Um, I think maybe it would be like six or seven. Probably. And you just say this: we got to have a you know variety, and we got to yeah. have some uh, 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 you know pork and some chicken. And yeah. Some, okay, I get you. That's. For me, um, you ain't gonna sleep much. I can tell you that. I, I already don't. Okay. <laughs> My husband is very tight into how yeah. people's sleeping patterns. Yeah. yeah. How do you sleep? No, we'll I, I definitely don't. Okay, we have to wrap show. it up. So tell everybody where they can find you on Insta, TikTok, all the places. And when we can find out, like, what's the best way other than the list? Are you on com? Obviously. Yeah. Uh, when you're gonna be open. Um, all right, so hopefully Mood Swings Food Hall will be open um, later this month, and you Great. can find us at Mood Swings Food Hall on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, as well as MoodSwingsFoodHall.com, and that is where we will have a monthly poll where you're able to vote in every month on what sort of cuisine and uh, you'd like to choose. And then on the first of every month is when the new menu, the new cocktail list, as well as an event schedule will drop. Cool. Thank you. Thank all you right, so let's go back to Mike and Jen. So, Jen, let's just talk a little bit about how you got in, how you became a coffee expert. Ah, well, I, I'm born in Bordeaux. It's not, not much, but it, I did study wine. Milk, and, it was wine, right? Right, yeah. exactly. A little bit. Yeah. No, no, no. But yes, I did. Um, I was passionate with wine at the beginning, so I studied uh, enology. And, but very quickly, I realized that when well, now I cross uh, coffee came into my world while I was studying mm. and I participated to a national competition, which I did uh, pretty well. And uh, I decided that that was it. Coffee was going to be the So it was a competition my, my about your palate? What was yes. Because co- you have to have, yes. whether it's wine or coffee, any kind of yes. taster, you must have an incredible palate. Y- you, you, it's, well, um, in this type of school, you're, you're trained to 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 train your palate on wine, but obviously on absolutely everything, on right, food, taste. on on anything, but mm-hmm. also, but also coffee is kind of the next level. It's so, so, how complex. did you end up here in the U.S.? So, because they don't drink a lot of coffee in. Oh, they they do, but uh, it's uh, it's uh, sometimes in life uh, you don't plan things. The life comes at you, and I had to take that don't decision. Don't I know? Yeah. Yes. So uh, um, so I, I came across uh, I came across the ocean um, to to continue my career in coffee and become a, a buyer for a company, a pioneer company in New York City, and uh, and then uh, yes, that's where wow. kick off. So very quickly, because then we'll come back to it at the end. But how do you guys collaborate? How do you work together on sourcing the beans? and using your technology and Jen how do you guys come up like do you you must do so many tastings together doing a ton of cuppings like do you have a flavor profile you're like no I want this how does that work well I've been accused of doing this whole project because I love Ethiopian coffee and I want Ethiopian coffee every day all the time Mm -hmm. and you really can't get that when you go into most shops so in a way, that might be the origin for me. I think from a collaboration perspective, I like to think of it as I give Jen the best tool mm-hmm. in the market to create this incredible Oops. coffee, and then she makes it sing with her skill and experience and talent. 
And actually, I want to step in in there is actually the, how I met Roasting Plant, how I met Mike, uh, Thomas, uh, Doug, was uh, coming through New York City all of a sudden. I was working, working in coffee for, for a while. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, I see that shop I enter. And here I see, I see a fully automated micro factory, very precise, very beautiful looking, functional with million capabilities to serve quality. Mm. And I said, well, we must work together. Let me source the coffee for you. Let me do the roasting profile for you. Story. And then thanks to, to, to Mike, I had my, my playground. Oh. And, uh, <laughs> I know okay, I would so like very to take quickly, credit for sorry. having found Jen, but she found, she found you. Yes. Jen, what are we drinking? <laughs> so right now we're, well, we're drinking something very full-bodied. So it is actually one of the world's most full-bodied coffee. It's a Sumatra Royal Badger. It comes from the Benar Maria area, mm. and it is also funding an orphan, it's, orf it's supporting an orphanage in, uh, in the area. Yeah. This coffee, you're going to find blackcurrant, truffle, very spicy mm -hmm. uh, in a sense, and um, mm, the type of acidity is going to be more on the whiny side. Mm. So, for example, uh, just... Uh, okay. Yeah, so have you have yep. I know, we could, I'm sure you could wax yes. poetic, I, and I get no it. Worries. Okay, <laughs> all right. All right, let's talk to John Zeller. So before we bring John in, I just want to say, listen, we talk a lot about food and wine and spirits and ways to enjoy uh, life through food. But you also need to have experiences, whether it's art or culture or shopping or whatever. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to bring John in. John, I noticed shopping was in there, by the way. Yeah, because I love to. <laughs> well, I don't love to shop, but I like nice things. I love that. Um, we like to travel and we like to do all those things. And experiences are so important. And now there's all these like experiences out there that that are visual and auditory. Their and mind expanding. Right? And it's so cool. So, John, hi. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, David. Hey, Nikki. Thanks for having me on. What a great show. I've really enjoyed um, just listening in on everything. There's, there's, I know. We're, uh, we're, John, we're fascinating, like right? We're probably, fascinating. Probably me. You are, it's, but... You're a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So why don't we just start with you talking about you? I mean, it's not everybody that wakes up and says, you know, one day I'm going to get into immersive uh, experiences. I feel like I already how to design did them. that, but go ahead. Come on, let's talk about okay. how you got into it. Well, I've been doing it for 25 years. Mm. So um, it, it it's funny because the idea of an immersive experience now is projectors. There's projectors on a wall. Um, but what I've always thought of as immersive experience is something that transports you to another place. So when I was working on the Titanic exhibition, for example, or the human anatomy exhibition I did, or the ABBA museum, you know, I always wanted to take you to another place through the storytelling. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, that's what we're able to do now in this more, uh, comprehensive way with the projection mapping that we use as part of the overall show of Van Gogh, the immersive experience, and a lot of our immersive experiences. Now, were you part of the software development for that? Because obviously that's a, I mean, 20, 30 years ago when you were getting involved in this in the first place, it was like Fred Flintstone and Barney in terms of technology. I mean, the technology advancements have been incredible. Uh, I fortunately, I well, fortunately for me, uh, and probably for the industry, I haven't been part of that software development right. uh, because they'd be much further behind. But what, what I've always done is tried to use technology in a way that it serves the story. Mm -hmm. Not, you know, you go to some places and you see all these screens everywhere or all this different tech and there's touch screens and there's all kinds of touch points, but they don't necessarily help you tell the story. No, that's so actually, we, it's really interesting. There's a lot of um, 
like new mu- museum spaces that are so uh, it, it's so important to engage with people you know like the exhibitions are but they don't always it, there's a lot of technology but it doesn't always it's it not gets streamlined. in the way it gets, it gets in, in the, the way. way it doesn't tell the story yeah. I mean, I think one good example is when, well, you know, retail centers are a great example of this. Um, when technology was first coming out, you saw all these screens, all these different um, tracking devices, all this different, all this different interactivity. But there was no, there was no substance to it. There was no, there was really, you didn't come away with any kind of meaning. Mm-hmm. Hold on, and I'm so sorry, what, John. I got to cut you for one second. Just put a pin in it. We're gonna come right back to you. We have to take a quick break. Okay. All right. This is David and Nikki Nellis, Foodie and Beast. We're going immersive experiences here. We'll be back in just a sec. All right. So we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis talking to John Zoller, who is the king of immersive experience innovators. And John, we had to we had to cut you off there when you were talking, but you're really talking about the the morphing of what used to be sort of primitive immersive technology to what you do now. Well, that's right. And so what we've always done is sort of watch the trends. Where is the technology going where we can use it in a way that it's going to work in in an environment that's going to serve thousands of people every day Mm -hmm. and as you know, and that we can afford for the productions we put on. So as uh, we watched the projection technology evolve and also with that, the projection technology become more affordable for our kind of use we started to implement projection technology in our experiences and another thing that we also started to do was bring in virtual reality as well mm-hmm. so um virtual reality is um has been thought for a long time to never it's never going to work in a public setting it's never going to work in museums but we're able to put thousands of people a day through our through our virtual reality part of the experience as well where you actually see the world through the artist's eyes actually watch the south of france that Van Gogh loved so much come to life. Right, the layers, right. layering of it, well, right? For people who haven't experienced it yet, I mean, we have, and it's, um, to describe, when I first saw Starry Night, I saw it, somebody showed it to me online. It must have been posted somewhere. It was before we saw it in the in the museum. But you, if you look at Van, every, hopefully everybody knows what Van Gogh's Starry Night looks like. The experience takes you into the painting, and, and you're it, it almost looks three-dimensional, you're, you're traveling around to the room in this little house where maybe Van Gogh was sitting before he cut his ear off. I don't know, but um, you you are you are devouring this piece of art or this thing. And I, of course, we can talk about all the work you've done with bringing dinosaurs to life and Titanic. But you're you're experiencing. You're getting in as closely as you possibly can. Is there a question? You no, know, what I'm saying, I'm explaining. You know mm-hmm. what I got as a consumer. How do you do that? I mean, how do you? Find all that detail in the the photo for in the uh, painting, for example. Well, I mean, you start you know you start with the artist himself. Van Gogh is a rock star of the art world, mm-hmm. and Starry Night is you know one of the most recognizable and revolutionary paintings yep. of all this time. Is, so this is his great, stairway to heaven, right? Mm-hmm. We have I mean we have great material to work with. Um, we created Van Gogh, the immersive experience, which is at the Bryant Street project at 524 Rhode Island Avenue, mm-hmm. where, by the way, there's a great food hall. Um, and I think that um, your I, I mean, I think that your coffee uh, guests would do really well there. too. There's a, there's a lot going on over there. Shameless plug. For we'll, put, we'll put you in touch with them, John. We'll, we'll <laughs> yeah. hook everybody up after the show. <laughs> uh, I mean, there, there's a it's a it's a really fun project that's come together that we sort of were um, in the middle of. Uh, you know, we we came in right at the kind of the middle of it. We came in phase one of their seven phase project, 
Um, but so in the experience, we, we start with a series of galleries where you learn about the artist through more traditional techniques. I mean, we start with a projection mapping right on a nine foot tall bust of Van Gogh. Mm -hmm. So what we're saying is, this is who you're going to learn about. This is how you're going to learn about him. Vincent Van Gogh through 3D projection mapping. Mm -hmm. But then we take a step back and we look at photo, we look at uh, reproductions of Van Gogh's paintings at their actual size. So we have this gallery where you learn about the artist himself, his mm -hmm. life and times. And then we build out pieces in 3D, his bedroom painting, for example, which is so famous that you actually can step into and, and become a part of, take a photo of yourself and that you literally walk into a which physical Which is crazy than crazy. Set. But I also think what you guys are really smart about, at, given the culture of society today, right? I mean, the Instagrammable, the, you know, like you want people, like there was a time when you used to go to museums, I'd be like, no pictures, no pictures. Now everybody's like, take pictures, like be a part of it. it you know, it's, it's, it's uh, a participatory experience right absolutely i mean and when we started doing it um we we knew we had great we, we knew we had something great to work with mm -hmm. and what we one of the rewards is that we didn't set out to create a selfie experience but it's become a selfie experience and i think that's how a lot of these great uh experiences that people really want to be a part of they don't set out to say um hey we're going to be an instagram sensation they just they they become instagram it just happens sensation. right yeah and uh the big the big instagram sensation and the, and the big reward is that immersive gallery ten thousand square feet 30 foot high walls where you're surrounded by van Gogh's paintings over 400 paintings come to life in a 35 minute loop that just goes around and around mm -hmm. and you can literally stay in there for hours and people do we have, and we also have yoga events in there we have meditation events in there we have you have yoga and meditative events in there how come I don't know we that? Do. I would totally yeah. do that. I bet that's really fabulous. Um, but I will I will tell you, we are that Van Gogh the Immersive Experience at Bryan Street is gonna be closing in about a month. Oh, well then I better get my no, touch down not. there. Better, we won't allow it. I'm sorry. We're gonna, we'll bring a new immersive artist oh. uh shortly afterwards. Can we tell can you tell to us? Keep it going we won't tell anybody. Our, will you tell us? Dinosaur exhibit. Yeah, we can I mean let's let's Well who's us. it gonna be? Claude Monet. Oh God! That's Another incredible artist who has this incredible body of work, um, and in that experience, you actually can step into his atelier at Giverny oh. and walk the gardens that he loved so much and were such an inspiration to. And, and tangentially, have you ever been to Monsieur Laratz on the uh, uh, Johnson and Johnson campus? They they've recreated his his garden. So that that's a uh, another chance to to recreate his gardens, and you'll ha you'll have that right at Bryant Street. Excellent. Okay, awesome. can you tell us where we can find you, please, on Instagram or online? So if you go to VanGoExpo.com, mm -hmm. you can get your tickets for Van Gogh the Immersive Experience and learn all about it. Mm -hmm. If you go to MonetExpo.com, you can sign up for the wait list. Great. DinosAliveExhibit.com is how you get the tickets for the dinosaur exhibit that's also at Bryant Street. All right. And then Van Gogh Experience is how you find us on Instagram. Great. Thanks, John. Thanks for joining us this morning. Very exciting. The most amazing Thanks, thing Jay, I've ever you. seen since I was in college. Honest okay. to God. Really appreciate Seriously? it. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. Thanks so much. Wow. All right. All right. Back. Let's wrap up with our coffee roasting plant. Um, I have a question. You jumped in on me. Now I'm going to ask my All right. Go questions. ahead. Take over. Question care. number one is, in order to, to source, do you, do you actually have to go to where the beans are picked? 
Absolutely. And, and you bring the, the Java bot there and you roast them and see no. no? No, no. We meet, we go meet with the producers where the areas that produce the highest quality coffee are grown. So that brings us in all the parts in the world between Tropic of Cancer and Capricorn. So we go and we find them and we work together on either post-harvest uh, processing or selecting very high-end uh, specialty lot. And that's a little bit what we're going to taste now. And then okay. you send them home and try them in the Java exactly. bot? Exactly. All right. So now, can we talk, well, listen, we only have two minutes left. All right, quick. So, milk, sugar, milk, sugar, no. and sugar substitutes. Real quick. Yes or no? If you like them, absolutely. Okay. I mean, what are right. they going to say? No. I would say no. It's not allowed? No. You're a purist. Okay, no. so very quickly, let's talk about the space here in D.C., it's one. You're going to be opening up another one. Yes. Yeah, so According we're, to John Zeller, you should open up next to him. Um, so tell us what the experience is when we come in. So we are currently open at 1211 Connecticut Ave Northwest. Mm-hmm. And in February, we're opening our second location at 1901 L Northwest. Okay. Uh, when you come into the- I sense a Starbucks strategy here. Mm-hmm. Perhaps. Mm. We don't have to say, why do you have to say that name? Uh, Why not? That's their strategy. It's brilliant. So when you come into our shops, you see coffee beans, Mm -hmm. green, raw coffee beans that Jen has brought in from Origin. You see our roaster that is going throughout the day, roasting micro batches. Mm -hmm. You see all the roasted bean lineup. And then, and it's as, not just for show, right? No, I mean, no, this it's, is yeah. right. It's not just. I mean, we're Willy called Wonka. the Willy Wonka of coffee, but really, it's mm-hmm. all purpose-driven. I'm an engineer, not a marketing guy. Mm-hmm. So, the, so you got one here. The marketing <laughs> aspect of it, or the show, Hi, Mike. the no. theater is a <laughs> no. He's a marketing is guy. a happy accident. Right. So at Roasting Plant, what's very unique about us is that you can choose any of the coffees that we have roasted, mm-hmm. and then we can brew that for you on demand. In less than a minute. And it's very quick. It's very quick, and it's to your spec. You can blend beans if you want. You can get that coffee uh, very quickly for about the price of a cup of coffee at Starbucks okay. com- compared to our competitive set, which would charge you probably 8 to $10 for that custom cup. Yeah. So, um, well. Okay, great. Where can we, we find done? you online? And where done? can we find you? We're done. done. Where can we find you online? Where can we find you on, on Insta? social media? Yeah. Roasting Plant okay. and online roastingplant.com. Great. We're so excited to have you in the city, and I um, hope Thank to have you. you back in again soon. We're thrilled to be here. Uh, quickly, say your thing because I got stuff to say. Send money. I want you to send money to, to relief us. for Ukrainian <laughs> refugees, for Palestinian refugees, and for folks in Israel who suffered that horrible attack. Mm-hmm. Love everybody. Why can't we all just get along? Okay. That's what I say. And I want to thank everybody for coming in studio today and for our great guests. Everything you heard here today, you can find on the list, areyouwanted.com, the online e-zine that tells you everything happening primarily in the D.C. metro area, but we do go out of town once in a while. Uh, also, don't forget to follow me at N-Y-C-C-I-N-E-L-L-I-S, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Industry Night is now on YouTube. We just did a residency at the Watermark Hotel, and I had amazing guests, so wait until you see what's happening there. Um, Can I just say, she does all that without breathing. I do. Okay. And on that note, thank you again. Also, I drank a lot of coffee, so I'm pretty, I feel I'm pretty zwingy. That's right. We're going to run home. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Be safe out there. Have a delicious week.